Welcome to Bub Club, a horror movie podcast. On today's show, we bring you our second installment of our Halloween special. This one, Halloween the Holiday. This is episode 18, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Lindsay. I'm Josh. And Melanie. And that's it. Yeah, Melanie's not with us today. She's not feeling sick. But don't worry. She said she's not feeling sick? She's not feeling sick. I was in my head I was like, she doesn't have COVID, but she's sick. <laughs> I mixed the two together. You're not sick in 2020 if you don't have COVID. It's true. There's no other sicknesses. Agreed. And Josh is recording remotely because he thinks we have COVID. Exactly. I want to stay <laughs> as far away from these guys as possible. No, you, you're no, house I'm sitting. I'm just house right? sitting. Yeah. You know, we were in the area the other day, Lindsay and I, and we wanted to uh, put on the screen masks and start messing with you. Yeah. Oh, that would have been spooky. Yeah. Would you have gotten scared? Do you think, fell for Do you think if you would have saw it. that mask in the window, like just randomly, would would have? I mean, it probably would have startled you, but would you be scared afterward? What would you think? Um, I would probably assume it was you guys. Oh, would you? And then maybe like try and call you or something. <laughs> and <laughs> if if I like confirmed it wasn't you guys, then I'd get scared. <laughs> so we can never like scare anybody close to us because they're just like it's them. Yeah, I'm just going to call them. <laughs> and then if they're in actual danger, they're going to be like, no, it's just Brandon and Lindsay. Just Lindsay and Brandon. <laughs> um, I, I have another question for you, Josh. How many 12-packs of Mountain Dew's Voodoo would you guess that we've bought in this year? Ooh. I'm going to go with a solid 24. 24 12-packs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. That's a lot, actually. <laughs> Uh, maybe fifteen. I'll go fifteen. Still high. Still high. It's pretty high. Nine. You just you just crushed Brandon because he thought you know he was. Yeah, you. I thought you'd be like five or six, and then Brandon'd be like, "I've got nine. and you'd be like, "That's so many." It's nine, but I overshot it. You just overshot it, man. I mean, that's a hundred. It's a hundred and eight sodas. That's true. That is quite a bit. I've consumed so much Mountain Dew that I fear. Then I might start watching NASCAR any moment now. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I share too, but yeah, we bought we bought four initially, then another one, and then we just bought another four. Okay. And that's that's good to know. I like <laughs> yeah. those. I like having those. Yeah. So our fridge is restocked, so when you come over. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. We got some horror babble for you this evening. Yeah, I've got some unfortunate horror babble. Uh oh. I'm upset. I'm upset. I watched all of The Haunting of Bly Manor. And oh my God, it, it's not scary, like whatsoever. Now, okay, let me preface this though by saying it is well done. It is very well acted and it's well produced. And all the things that are like in it are probably done the best they can be, but it's not. I think the problem here is that it's kind of, especially after The Haunting in Hill House, it's been advertised as kind of like that level of horror because the haunting of Hill House had some scary scenes in it. it. Had some really creepy parts, and and this one, it's just it doesn't. It's a love story overall, and it's like super high drama. Even the people that are like the bad guys have this like sad bastard story, and it makes you like empathize with them. And you're like, there's uh, there's like everyone in here has just been like horribly just 
kind of treated poorly by the world in some way, shape, way, shape or form. And you can't really like, you know, hate on any of the ghosts or anything like that. So they're friendly. Pretty much all but all but one are like super friendly ghosts, you know, like there's one that can like hurt people. And that does hurt people. But even like that ghost story is like you kind of understand like why she is the way she is, you know, like it, it's like something really bad happened to her. And oh, it's so high drama. And it ends with like two ladies crying on the couch and like and this won't spoil it or anything because it doesn't give away any plot points. But it like it'll just be it's telling that it ends with two ladies on the couch crying and talking about love. Oh, that sounds nice. So would you suggest the live action Casper movie instead? <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> a little spookier. Might yeah. be a little spookier. I, I started watching this with Lindsay and uh, I was out pretty quickly. Yeah. First episode, I was like, yeah, it's too much drama. See, for me, like there is horror shows that I think get it right, but mostly it's not the medium that I want to see horror in because it, it like in order for a show to, to, to carry on, it has to include drama. Sure. And I'm not opposed to human drama. No. It, it grounds. But when it's it like and, saturated with it to like, when it's mainly it, that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's why I fell out of the walking dead was that, like, it, it's started becoming less about zombies and more about the horrors of people, which is interesting in itself. But if I'm sitting down to watch a horror show, I want horror. Yeah. And, um, I found that a lot of Walking Dead fans of the TV show in particular are not horror fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that makes sense. There's a lot of people I know that aren't horror fans that watch that. And I continue to watch it because they they get better and better like zombie kill scenes. And I'm just like a sucker for the gore. Sure. And there's every once in a while they'll throw in a plot point where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. And I'm not trying to talk down about it. However, any I agree. Stuff. No, I agree with you that it like the. Like I have to roll my eyes and almost like scream at the TV when it, there's like these 10 minute dramatic like monologues. It's the worst. And this is just chocked full of them. Bly Manor is just chocked full to the point where I was literally like screaming at this TV, like just stop already and get to something else. <laughs> I was like dying. I was dying watching this. And the, not for a horror fan. I don't think. Yeah. I yeah. think if you like the dramatic aspects of it and if it it's like, the people that I know that like the high drama and stuff are like raving about this. The people that I know that want more horror are like this sucked and was not scary whatsoever. Yeah, there was a Facebook post saying that it was uh, like the Netflix event that is keeping yeah. audiences awake and yeah. terrifying them. And I read the comments and everyone was like, this was slow. This was boring. This was more of a love story. Yeah, It was a drama. Like, So um, I think the consensus are with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you so watch it at all? Not Josh? necessarily. No, I haven't seen it yet. Kind of because I've heard similar things. Okay. Were you planning on watching um, it? Yeah, because I I liked the first like season that they did. Uh -huh. Like Hill House. Uh, and that had some but, scary moments in it where I was like, I truly like creeped out. Also, I you know I think the what the good part about um, social media in the in the age of digital internet um, is that the creators can hear the complaints. You know, you don't have to write in to, to shows anymore. Yeah. You know, you could just voice it on, on social media and they'll see it. So maybe, maybe the next season will be scary. They'll be like, well, we got to make it more scary. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they'll Do listen. we know if there's, if they're doing a third one? I haven't heard anything. Yeah. I haven't heard anything either. I think it's a little okay. too early because this one just came out. 
but I don't know. Sometimes they, they green light shows. I'm sure it like was uh, highly viewed because of the anticipation for it. And the first one people loved. I hadn't even watched the first one. It's pretty good. I mean, it, it suffers from about midway through. Um, you're like, oh, like some, sometimes like the reveal of like wh- who and what the ghosts are like makes it less scary. But it had like it kept me watching the whole way through and I wasn't like upset at the end of it. So, yeah, one of my buddies really enjoyed it and he's a big horror fan. And I kept telling him, yeah, I'll check it out. He kept suggesting it. So I need to eventually. It's just like I said, like I like I like horror movies. Like I like to get on the ride, get off the ride in a, in a matter of an hour and a half to two hours, you know, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm generally the same, but I thought the first season was well done. Uh, I think I liked it better than the season of American Horror Story I watched. So a, <laughs> a, a potential third season would likely adapt another famous horror story, just as Hill House did with Shirley Jackson's 1959 novel, The Haunting of Hill House, and Bly Manor did with blah, 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 novella, The Turn of the Screw. Okay, oh, that so, was the turn of the screw that they did. I guess so. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't realize that. Both That's stories interesting. are slightly older and were printed by authors considered masters of the horror genre. So Flanagan may have the sights set on another similar story for his next haunting season. My guess is he's going to do it again. They're going to do it again because even with this one not being as strong for me, like it's going to have an audience. There are going to be people that probably like it better. Because they like the high drama, and then we'll see. I don't know. Maybe that that makes me more interested that it's it's horror classics adapted into the television form. Like I didn't yeah. realize that with the first one or the second one. Me neither. Um, I do have more interest in it now. Yeah. Anyway, that's the first part of my horror babble. Yeah. Um. I got some interesting news. Uh, Fifty Cent signed a deal to produce three horror films. With Eli Roth. Ooh, what? interesting. What is it? Does it have a network? Um, they're going through an indie studio called Three Black Dot. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, James Frey is involved as well, but there's not a lot of information. I think this news came out like the seventeenth, so it's it's pretty fresh. So is yeah, fi- that was yesterday. Is Fifty Cent? Sorry, Fifty Cent. Is yeah, he, Curtis Jackson. Curtis Jackson. Uh, is he yeah. um is he like producing? Is he writing? Is he directing? Yeah, is he acting? Okay. Uh but Roth made a statement about it and he said both Fiddy and James have never shied away from controversial boundary pushing material and have made massive global cultural impacts from their raw creative energy. We want to bring the same fun and danger to this new fantastic slate of elevated scary films. We want to make the movies others are too afraid to make. So, I don't know. It seems like they're wanting to push some boundaries and stuff. I'm in, man. I, I will honestly watch and be a fan of almost anything Eli Roth does until I'm not a fan of it. Like, does that yeah. make sense? You know, I'll, yeah. I'll watch anything he puts out. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. But that doesn't make me not a fan of whatever he's the future. And if, if somebody like holds. 50 Cent wants to jump in the, the horror genre, if he's a fan, uh, then I'm on board. I wonder if his movies are going to sound like they're falling asleep too. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. I think his yeah. rap sounds like he's he's falling asleep. A but sleepy. I like I like Fifty Cent. I've seen interviews with him. He seems like a stand up guy. Um, side note to that: uh, Eli Roth 
is producing another uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror. So that's really exciting. There is so they would they would do um, podcasts too. That was like uninterrupted interviews with individuals, and they have they put out two of them first before the even shows coming out, and it's. Um, Megan Fox and Bill Hader. And I listened to the Bill Hader one and it was really good. But just side note. Hmm. Okay. I like Bill Hader. Yeah, me too. I love Bill Hader. Megan Fox, I guess. I, don't I love Megan Bill Fox. Hader. Whoa. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, there wasn't a ton of like extra news besides that statement. Um, That's exciting though. That's something fun to look but, forward to. Yeah. Little tidbit. No, I'm interested. I like the, the idea of boundary pushing. Absolutely. I hope it doesn't get sexual though. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that boundary we'll pushing. All right, so you know, um, I just want to talk about a couple movies that Lindsay and I watched last night. And you know, we do this quite often, being horror fans. Not just even the fact that we're horror hosts, but uh, we'd be doing this anyway. Where we'll go through kind of the new stuff on Amazon and watch previews and go, let's watch it. I would say because we just go, yeah, let's watch this. Yeah, let's watch that. I would say like 80% of the time we're usually disappointed. Yeah, maybe not even that much, but. Feels like it for me. Yeah. But I would say we watched two movies back to back and I was pleasantly surprised and even might, I might even love these movies. I definitely love these movies. Um. And I just can't believe that we watched these two movies back to back and we're like, wow, this is really good. And then the next one, wow, this is really well, good. And one of them was really random. I was just like, this looks interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are they? So the first one we watched was called Spontaneous. It was written and directed by Brian Duffield based on a novel by the same name by Aaron Starmer. By Sapphire. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so this one is like, it, it has its like, big toe in horror but overall i would say it's more of a drama like and a i know coming, i was just, coming of age drama. coming of age yeah and i know that i was just kind of complaining about like tv shows going <laughs> yeah. to drama but this one like works uh for well, because, me because it's not like overly saturated in it no you know? and it has a really good balance of like horror so and so what's and... what's the what's the um, premise of this movie um teenagers are spontaneously combusting just randomly like blowing up like balloons. Well, in a specific class, like a specific Oh yeah, in, in a senior class of this class. of this of this high school in this town. Um and it's brutal, man. It's brutal. Like it, this is no spoilers because it shows it in the in the pre in the preview, but like they're sitting in class and one just explodes. Yeah. And they just were like, what happened with this girl? And then they all start exploding. Yeah. And it's focusing on this main character. She's the main star of 13 Reasons Why. Uh, I forget her name, but she was the main main star in that first season. Um, and she's a, I think she's a really great actress. And it's just kind of like her, through her perspective of all this happening. And it's nuts, man. It is a little nuts. And it's, and there's parts where I got, got teary eyed in some of it. Cause it's, it is, it does it, get yeah. sad, man. It does get sad. It, it's heart wrenching. Like, at first it's just kind of like, um, these it, random kids are kind of blowing up that you, obviously the, the movie hasn't given you an insight to who they are. So it doesn't like feel 
And, and it's almost like done anything. in a comedic way. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like as much as you can get comedic with with a teenager blowing up. Right. But, but, but then as the movie progresses, you kind of get to know each kids. And the, the funny thing is, is even the jock kids in this movie, you like. Like yeah. there's nobody in here that like is your atypical, like the jocks are the assholes. And this is that like the jocks are actually like they have a like a gay friend and they're like sticking up for them and they're very like supportive and they're they're actually really like inclusive people and and so like all the kids you really start to like even yeah, the, even the true. jocks and stuff yeah and the jo- yeah the, the jocks are like still dumb brutes but they're like likable dumb brutes yeah, they're, lovable. they're not they're not picking on anybody no it's really cool it's really progressive yeah and like to like those jock characters in a movie is really original i think well and it's refreshing it is refreshing and hopefully inspiring yeah yeah uh, i'm definitely going to have to watch this movie i would suggest it definitely piqued my interest we did buy it on my amazon so it is okay yeah so it's there Mm -hmm. not for you listeners not for you listeners (laughs) but it's only like 6.99 to buy the whole movie six bucks to buy so so go buy it yeah check it out again like don't expect like super horror it's but it's gory it's gory it's gory there's a lot of blood if you like coming of age movies too like and like kind of like teen dramas um, which I still like. Like, I never grew out of those. Same, yeah. And um, I think this is just done so well for that. I mean, it's it's definitely, like, if I think if I was a teenager and saw this, this would be, like, the like I would be just in love with this movie. Oh, for sure. You know, this yeah. would be, like, one of those ones I watch over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it gets into the, the psyche of, like, they don't know why it's happening. They don't know who it's going to happen to next. They don't know, like, what's causing it. So it gets in the human psyche of like, you can go at any moment. And sort of the whole message behind it is like, that's true about all of us, even if we're not combusting. Well, and it's interesting too, because you see the parents kind of interact with the children and then kind of start doing stuff they wouldn't probably do with their children because they know that the kids could go any they moment. Go to, so yeah. like, you know, they might like offer the kids pot or something and just say, hey, let's hang out and like, you know, let's do the, like maybe something you would do like when your kids were way older, yeah. they start kind of like having to live in the moment and it's super interesting yeah so it, it's it was started to be written in like 2016 and then uh, i think they went into principal photography in 2018 i looked all this up because i was like is this like slightly based on the pandemic it does feel a little bit like it because we all feel like we can get this disease at any moment and we don't know if it we're going to live through it so it just seems very parallel to the times but it's just a coincidence that it came out in 2020 while this is happening but but it did feel parallel like i got the same feeling of like man that's i feel like that's how a lot of us feel right now it's like that we can go at any moment yeah but the whole thing is like can't we always go at any moment yeah i think that's what you like the the conclusion yeah that's the takeaway from it it's like just live live your life because it could be taken away from you Yeah. yeah so that was uh that movie was called spontaneous i'll talk about the second one a little later Okay, I don't know why I'm talking about this one, but actually, but it, it's only I do this for Brandon, I think, because we've been um, generally we're not impressed by Blumhouse, right? Well, I think it's like 50 50 because yeah. Get Out was Blumhouse. But then there's like Get Out and there's like a couple other things where we're like, that was actually kind of fun. Hunt was really cool. There's four movies coming to Amazon this October from Blumhouse. And uh, so the one of them is called The Lie. And it's about a divorced couple helping their daughter cover up something really disturbing, which could be really interesting. Mm. Um, anyway, the other one, let me see. I should have this more. So the other one is called Black Box. And it's this high concept premise that asks, like, what is the thing living in this guy's head? So that could be, like, really cool. Like, sounds like a psychological type horror. Mm-hmm. 
type thing. Um, but they also said that there's some drama in there, so we'll, we'll see. So there's also one called Nocturne, which is a psychological thriller about a young pianist who is tired of living with her tw- in her sister Twin Shadow. So that kind of sounds like it could be like a, a weird revenge. It's like a whole movie about a penis, huh? A That's penis. weird. <laughs> um, but there's like some really cool, supposedly there's like really good music and striking visuals in that one. And it's like this artfully ambiguous thing. So maybe Josh would like that one more than, more than us because he likes the artsy stuff, right? <laughs> um, and then there's one called Evil Eye. And it's this romance that turns upside down. I don't know how that that premise. Again, these are I haven't watched any of the trailers or anything, but that premise just I don't know. The whole like weird romance guy goes psycho oh, doesn't yeah. necessarily always appeal to me. But anyway, um, I just wanted to very briefly uh, mention them. And the Lie and Nocturne, they both have female writer and directors, so, that, so that's kind of cool. And Evil Eye has a female writer, um, and I just think I didn't think that's really cool. Like. We're starting to see uh, female like writers and, and directors come up in horror movies more, and I yeah. and I don't know if that's like an accident. It's almost like the horror genre just embraces that kind of stuff faster and easier. I don't it, know. Yeah, it's yeah, horror feels a little more progressive than yeah. the rest of the genres, and maybe because a lot of um, anyway, like the good horror movies are a little more independent and they have a little more creative control. This is just a guess, though. Now, what I didn't see, and I, it wasn't super clear to me, is if these are like four movies back to back or four different movies. Probably so, different movies. I would think so because they have different. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you're, you're so you're saying like you don't know if it's an anthology or yeah. separate movies. Yeah. yeah, I think I read that article, and it's like for Halloween, right? Yeah, they're releasing for Halloween. Uh-huh. I think it's yeah. Uh, so the thing about Blumhouse is like, I don't dislike Blumhouse. I actually really like them. Uh, I listened to some like. Blumhouse produced uh, podcasts with like Blumhouse producers and it's very obvious that they love horror and how could I dislike anything or anybody that loves horror yeah you know and they're contributing a lot and I think they're contributing so much that they're going to get some misses but their misses for me doesn't mean they're misses for everyone else and like I think they're a company that makes horror movies for a very broad audience yeah. You know, like, and they're, they're contributing to kind of all, every aspect of, of horror. And I, I think that's pretty neat. I also won't, won't complain about Amazon just being saturated with all this new horror stuff. I am like super definitely happy. It feels like usually like around October, like not enough horror is coming out yep. in theaters, but for some reason, like this year, it feels like there's like a decent like chunk of horror coming to the VOD. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, you know, just because everybody's releasing it on october because why not they're not going to have a good theater release anyway true yeah that could be it like sometimes some of the horror movies would save till like december you know yeah but, i mean horror movies like i think get written sometimes out of anxiety and fear yourself yeah. so you need to release them so yeah it'll be I interesting mean, to see how much horror is next year released yeah yeah <laughs> all right yeah so that was just what i want to talk about there yeah um okay so this next little bit of news i don't really have an opinion on it i was just like Huh. And I kind of want to get your guys' take on it. But Dexter is coming back. What? They're doing a limited season. Uh, damn it. I'm going to watch this they're shit doing too. 10 episodes. Uh, and it's going to probably be released fall or like late summer 2021. Yeah, I, I saw this. Um, yeah, they're calling it the final 10 episodes. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I only watched the first season of, of Dexter oh. and it wasn't like I didn't I didn't jump out of it because I didn't like it. It was just um, I just do that with shows like I start yeah. watching them and then I fall out of them even if I like them. Um, I wonder if they're going to step up the bar because they've been away for a while. I would hope so. Dude, and cause television the, has evolved a lot since then. The last season was so the last few seasons were so badly written. I think they like changed writers halfway through um, yeah. the whole process. And you could just tell. And the writing was horrendous, like so noticeably bad. And then just how they ended it in general, like he survives like driving off his boat into a hurricane and oh, everything, everything was so bad in the final. I was like angry. I sometimes will get Facebook like memories popping up about me complaining about how bad Dexter <laughs> got. <laughs> and like, it'll make me angry all over again. But you know what? I'm going to watch all 10 of these. I'm going to yeah. do it. And even well, if they're this bad. might be good news for you because they're bringing on the original showrunner from seasons oh. one through four. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Try, maybe they could like, because that has always been such an upset for me, like how badly that ended. Maybe they can fix this. Maybe, maybe they're trying to redeem themselves. Maybe they're trying to redeem the show yeah. because it, that show deserved better. Like it was such an awesome concept for a show. But the, the problem was, as soon as those one writers left, they started, like, making Dexter human. And the whole point of, like, the interest of the show was that he was incapable of emotion and he didn't, like, his relationships were a facade. But they, like, made him, like, fall in love in the end and all this. And he's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't happen with Dexter. He's a serial killer who has no ability to have these emotions like yeah that's what made it interesting it's so. like the pov of a monster and you don't yeah. want to see that monster fall in love sure no yeah i i won't be watching this just because like i'm not going to catch up on right. all the seasons <laughs> yeah. before yeah um and but i will painful. be interested to see what the community thinks about it yeah i'm kind of yeah. excited. i'm kind of excited uh, Josh, people did... seem to be pretty hyped about it i watched the first four seasons okay you never finished yeah i I mean, I feel like you might, if wherever they're going with this, there's some like pretty important things that happen, even how, even if they are kind of terrible, but there, yeah. there might be some important things that you need to watch, but I don't know if I would ever wish I, the last few I seasons kind of, on anybody. I uh, kind of read a summary of the last four seasons. Oh, okay. Then I think you're good. Don't, uh, don't, yeah. don't bother torturing yourself then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of excited. Um. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about <laughs> that. Uh, so the Jump second movie it. that we watched um, that I even liked better, uh, but they're two different films. Two different films. Wolf of Snow Hollow. This is actually in theaters right now, but it's also available on Amazon to purchase or VOD. It's probably available on other platforms. It's written and directed and starring Jim Cummings, who I am going to be keeping an eye on him. Yeah, he has another movie that he did before, and the trailer looks amazing for that one, too. It's obvious. It's not horror, but it looks really good. What is it? What was it called? Something Thunder. Uh, Rolling Thunder? No, that was <laughs> what you thought the Garth Brooks documentary should be called. <laughs> no, I thought it was Thunder Rolls. <laughs> oh, maybe it was Rolling Thunder. <laughs> anyway, uh, unfortunately, the final film of uh, Robert Forster. Yeah. Um, Josh, you might know him from um, Jackie Brown. He plays the, the, uh, the detective, I think, Private Eye in Jackie Brown. He unfortunately passed away um, after the movie, uh, but he's great in it. Um, so this movie is a werewolf movie. And 
I was so excited when I saw previews for it because How I can't many? remember the last time we got a really good werewolf movie. No. And from the trailers, I was already sold on it. And I was not disappointed. No. Now there's spo- there's a huge spoiler in this movie that I will not be giving away. So if you've already seen it, you know. I won't be talking about that. But what I do want to talk about is the unique humor in it and the quirkiness, but also it'll spin that around and be extremely serious at times as well. Oh, yeah. And it has truly terrifying parts in it. The werewolf looks really cool. The gore, man. There's a a werewolf attack scene that is like almost like watching a bear attack scene in in one of like a a movie who does it really well. It's done so well. It's so creepy and the sounds and ooh, I won't get out of my head for a while. I'm almost positive that the, the, it was a costume and not CGI. I mean, maybe there was CGI parts in it, but it looked real. It looked real. It felt real. uh Um, I, that, that's like the biggest thing when it comes to werewolf movies is how the werewolf looks, right? You can't do a CGI werewolf. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me at all. But this thing is like huge and it it's stands huge. up and it's menacing. And it's beautifully shot. Too. It really is. Yeah. There was, there was a scene like right from the beginning. It had a bloody, uh, huge like werewolf paw print in the snow. So it was like some water that was that built up in the paw print. And then had the reflection well, of the blood, full moon in it. blood that built up in the paw print. It was, oh, it was it, blood. Yeah, it was just blood. Yeah. And it was reflecting the full moon in it. And I was like, that is so amazing. I got like almost out of my seat excited for just that yeah. little part. I was like, why hasn't that been done? This is one of those ones I think Josh is going to find super interesting too. Because it is a little bit like, it's not like any other movie. Like the, the quirkiness of it is just so, but it's it works so well. Like the guy, the main actor is so... Like, who's the writer director yeah yeah who's just he's so going funky. through his own problems he's an alcoholic yeah. he's worried about his dad you know he wants Dying. his dad to retire because yeah. he's got some heart problems he's dealing with a, a teenage daughter that he doesn't understand he's not the very good father and he's dealing with that um so it's like a personal journey through his life that happens to have a werewolf in it too yeah, yeah. and it was all filmed in utah which is fun to like sit there and say oh i think that's that place i think this is that place yeah which I, we did a lot yeah um and it, it was just it was just such a breath of fresh air to see this movie and just like want it to be good and then it is good and it's so good and it's scary too the werewolf yeah. scenes are scary no the horror parts are horror-y. yeah the drama parts are done well the character development is is really good you care about the people even if you see them just for a second they have the and and sometimes you know a lot of movies in general get this wrong will it'll introduce a character and then maybe knock him off and you're like i don't know if i was that attached to him but it had a really good way of introducing a character just for a little bit and you being like i'm in i'm into them yeah. and then taking them away from us and that's to me is a good horror movie yeah this is yeah. another one josh that we bought on my amazon that you could check out right. <laughs> i'll uh yeah i'll be checking both of these out they, uh, yeah they so sound really good if you want to question and uh, uh, no, so spontaneous, spontaneous, and, yeah, and Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, if you want to brave the theaters, it it is in theaters too for I all would, you listeners. I would almost suggest to go see this. In yeah, the if, you feel, if, if you if you feel can. comfortable, if you feel comfortable, sure. I, I if there was one thing I was bummed out about last night, I was like, man, I really wish I had saw that on the big screen. Yeah, because the the horror parts would just be like you would just be it would draw you in. The movie had a way of just kind of drawing you in. It was beautiful. Um, we'll briefly talk about us braving the theater and seeing, um, Possessor. Didn't we already talk about that? Did we talk about it? 
Maybe I talked about that on my last show. On my uh, rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> There's a plug. There is a plug. I talked a little bit about it on rabble, rabble, rabble. I can't. Did Josh, did we talk about this on the show? I, I know we talked about it, uh, but I don't know if it was on the show. <laughs> I kind of remember talking about it on the, on the show. It, yeah, because it's Brandon Cronenberg, right? Yeah, I think we did talk about I, it. I'm pretty yeah. sure we talked about that on yeah. the show. Well... Remember that happened, guys? That member? <laughs> if you want to know more about it, listen to the last episode or two. But we do have one final movie to talk about. With yes, Josh, we do. Josh. Yes. Um, I talked about this last week. It was premiering at a film festival. Uh, Nightstream was the name of the film festival. But the movie was called Frank and Zed. It's a completely serious puppet horror movie. And I was so pleased with it. Um, I don't want to spoil it because it just premiered at the film festival and I don't know if it's available anywhere. So I'm just going to say it's a really good time. I give it like my stamp of approval. The puppets are immaculate. They're great. The sets are so beautiful. And uh, we watched the behind the scenes afterwards and like it's all filmed in a garage. <sighs> They built the set once and then they had to shoot all the scenes in that set and then tear it down and build up the next set. So there was so much planning and effort. I think it took them six years to make yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, was that what they were saying? Yeah. I was just really impressed with it and can't recommend it enough. We knew that going in and we were kind of discussing like, was it six years back to back or probably they took a break or waiting for financing. And then when we heard them talking about it and the, the credit scene has a really, has really cool, like behind the scenes footage of them, like filming this, some of the stuff. And it's very obvious that no, it was probably consecutively six years because of all the work they had to do. And I'm sure they're counting in um, making all the puppets. And um, they even said that, they had one puppet of each character in the movie. Like most movies of this nature, um, whether it be like claymation or puppets, you have several. So if something happens to them, uh, you could just like reset and use a different one, but they had one. So if something's happening to these puppets, it's like kind of happening in real time and then they're done with them. So if they have to refilm a scene too bad, the puppets destroyed. And that is like a, a clear indication of a labor of love with this movie yeah and it does that that would be nerve-wracking and uh oh i kind of lost my train of thought it does feel like um like a a nod to classic horror films sure um like the universal and hammer in a bit uh so there's even a scene um somebody had told the guy like i want you to put like an army of dead reference or or, or army of darkness reference in it was a yeah so it was it was um it was crowdfunded and through Kickstarter, like one, I think one of the things, you know, if you, you could, like, enough, suggest, you could suggest something. So, and this isn't like really a spoiler and stuff, but there's, there's a scene where um, a puppet does get his hand cut off and what he replaces it with. It's kind of like, a, you know, a, a, like for Axe replacing his, or Ash replacing his hand with the chainsaw. Puppet replaces his hand with something and it's just really funny. And um, yeah, I won't say what it is because. Yeah, but keep your eyes open for it because it is like. Because you don't notice it's a reference to that. Like it's obviously is. Like once you hear it's a reference to that, you go, oh, that's right. I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it when I first saw it. But um, it is super funny. So there is that. I do have, I agree with everything Josh said. I think this is super fun. 
I think like going in, know that it's, it's kind of just like a fun ride, but I have one complaint and that, that, and it was just no character development almost whatsoever, aside from some of the Frankenstein, the Frankenstein stuff. They had some good characters. It was like a Frankenstein monster yeah. and a zombie, and yeah. they're like friends, and it's like... So there's some cool development there. However, there's like this epic, epic, long battle scene at the end, and there's all these characters there that you really... Like, I had a really hard time being like, who's that again, and who's that? And like, I really didn't know... Like there was nothing to really grasp onto, so it was just like a lot of battling and gore, and there wasn't much story there for me. And that would be my only complaint is I was just I wish that there was a little bit more character development with like the townsfolk and stuff like that. But other than that, like I would definitely recommend everybody to go check this out. Yeah, I don't think it takes away from the enjoyment of it. No, but I understand the complaint. Yeah. Um, and I was maybe a little lost sometimes, and maybe that's due to I'm not used to the format of puppets. No, I mean, I think I think you, they could have done it. Um, had they had just even like little experiences with certain one of these puppets, we wouldn't feel so lost toward that scene because the last scene is chaotic. Yeah. And if you don't know yeah. who you're looking at, you're kind of just like, what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, it, it's amazing uh, effects and stuff. And what they were able to do with the puppets was really fun. I really want to see more of this kind of stuff. Definitely. I, I love claymation. Yeah. I love puppets. And... And when it when it's when it's in horror, it feels like it works so well. Josh mentioned the sets. I, I was constantly amazed by the sets. The sets are like magical. Like and the they fact really, that they're built in a garage. Well, and they take they kind of take your breath away, and they really like put you in. Like you might not you might worry about like how do I get involved like with this puppet world, but it, like the sets like are a huge part of like yeah they suck bringing you, you in. in man it's crazy yeah. and th- and that's it reminded me of the old Universal horror movies because that was sort of uh, my. F- favorite parts of of universal horror is you know they had these big clunky cameras back in the day they couldn't necessarily go on location all the time so right. they had to build in a sound stage which they still do that sometimes these days but they it was more done back in those days where they'd build a set and then the background was a painted sky you know and i really like that a lot and uh this is chock full of that yeah i i have one last thing to say i kind of remembered what I was going to say earlier, and it's just uh, a lot of times when you see like puppet movies that are catered towards adults, like, I don't know, the Happy Time Murders kind of comes to mind. They're kind of dumb movies, you know, they're well, just... They're hypersexual, yeah, too. Yeah, raunchy. Yeah. What yeah. was it? What just, was the uh, one that um, we Meet watched? The Meet the Feebles was just like immediately hypersexual and i was like i'm not into that man i just don't want to see that this one is just like a monster movie yeah with Mm -hmm. puppets instead of people like they don't have any oh it's so funny because this puppet's doing like this puppet's masturbating or something there's nothing like that and uh i don't know it's kind of refreshing to see to be honest it's like the weird human nature in us where if we see dolls we got to make them 69 <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> but, yeah you go to any spirit halloween store and all the zombie babies are 69ing yeah. for sure um but you know i i think that i what i would like to see this movie be is like the the movie that sets off this kind of stuff in the horror community like oh that is a cool like 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 maybe makes people think outside of the box and it can be done mm-hmm. and um i don't know I, I i definitely would this movie was a lot of fun and my complaints are like pretty trivial, if 
if any, you know, that was just more of me. I need a, I'm the same with video games. I need a story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This movie was like, it wasn't like, Hey, let's do an adult puppet movie. It was more like, let's do a serious puppet movie. Yeah. I think when you throw adult in there, when you add that, you people are like, Oh, we got to make him 69. <laughs> yeah. We gotta make <laughs> <laughs> That's what adults like, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, is that all you guys got? That's it. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our topic of the day. Halloween, the holiday. All right. I'm going to preface this with a little tale, a little piece of my life. When I was 20 years old, I had moved to my grandmother's house. I fell on bad times and I had to move to my grandmother's house. So I didn't know anybody in the area. And this was in October. All my friends were about an hour drive away. And because I didn't have a car and a lot of them didn't have a car, I might as well lived on the moon. So I was going through my own trials and tribulations during the October season and kind of decided that I'd grown out of it, out of Halloween. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not, you know... And I think that was a defense mechanism because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to celebrate without any friends. And I was getting driven to work by my mother. And I saw kids dressed up and walking around the neighborhood. I said, aren't they a bit early? And my mom said, yeah, you guys used to wait for the sun to go down. And I said, no, no, I mean like date wise. She's like, no, it's Halloween. And my stomach sank. And I was like, I know that I already agreed to not caring, but I missed Halloween completely. Now, when I got to work, I was working at a movie theater and everybody was dressed up. There was a gorilla in full gorilla suit. There was a kid that was in drama class that was dressed like Jack Sparrow and he was walking and talking like him. And I was like, you know what? This is going to save the day. I'm not dressed up, but my surroundings are. This is going to be pretty cool. And I stood in line to clock in and I started hearing chattering of what everyone's doing for Halloween. Oh, I got to take my little brother out trick-or-treating, then I'll be at that party. Oh, I rented some horror movies. And I started realizing they're not clocking in. They're all clocking out. And they all left, and nobody was dressed up. And to make a long story short, I got home about 12.30, desperately flipping through the channels, trying to find something Halloween, trying to trying to celebrate just a little bit, and I found nothing. And I realized I missed it. I made a silent promise to myself that I would never miss it again. That no matter how old I am, I could participate in Halloween and the festivities any way that I want. And in 2020, I started having that fear of, is Halloween canceled? And then I remembered, Halloween is a state of mind. You can't cancel a state of mind. And so... We're not going to talk about necessarily the history of Halloween. You could find a lot of television shows and even podcasts about that. We're just going to talk about Halloween in general and what it means to us through various topics. Do you guys have anything to say about Halloween in general before we jump into it? I think, well, I think it's one of those, um, it's one of those holidays. I mean, it, it does feel for me as big as Christmas, like as big of a deal as Christmas and Christmas is like one of my favorite holidays of all time, but like the the build up to Halloween and everything that it encompasses, and of course as a horror fan, how can you hate Halloween? Like everything around you is spooky, and you just I just love like driving around and seeing the people that decide to like deck their houses out. I wish it was more. I wish everybody was like because everybody really gets into Christmas, right? 
and Mostly, like yeah. and like maybe you get about half as much as much people participating in Halloween, which is still cool, but um I don't know, it's it's for me it's like one of those holidays that makes you feel like a kid again, no matter how old you are. It's an opportunity to kind of disappear into like a fantasy and and much more than Christmas in fact, where you know Halloween like you can you can make your whole house like look like a, a movie set if you want to sure yeah and it's really fun for brandon and i to go out and go to these stores and actually get real like year-long decorations for our houses because right it's like one of the coolest things about it but you know from and i and i'm not one of those people either like i think that i think 50 year olds should be out trick-or-treating if they want to yeah you know yeah. like i don't think there should be an age limit um it took me i was like 19 when i quit trick-or-treating that was my last time and the only reason why i quit is because i got too much guff from people going you're too old for this mm-hmm. and i really hate that so if they're i don't know but but like brandon said like it, it really is a state of mind and it's it's probably one of the most fun holidays I, ever <laughs> i agree <laughs> i don't know josh feels yeah bad. do you hate it josh um i've i've always uh kind of enjoyed halloween my family was never really big on like decorating a ton, but I remember like going trick or treating every year and dressing up and having a blast. But uh, I, I'm starting to get more into it now than I was uh, as a kid. That's uh, interesting. I didn't go to haunted houses much. Uh, my parents kind of avoided scary things growing up, so. Even during Halloween, we went to, I think I was like 15 when I went to my first like haunted attraction. It's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, my, my dad was your mom's sister and, and we had still two is. very, <laughs> was, still is. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting to, to know that they come from like the same family and like just, uh, you would think there'd be some similarities there, but, but yeah, we were, we were doing Halloween haunts as long as I could remember. I don't remember. A time when I, I think we were like very little when we went to our first haunt. Yeah. You know, my household didn't decorate too much either. Um, And I think that's why now that I'm an adult and I can, I do it like as much as as possible. And that's the thing. Like what I realized Halloween as a kid, it comes like a storm. You know, it starts to drizzle and then it starts raining and then it's right on top of you. Then it goes away and everything's cleared out. And because you're not doing anything necessarily, except for maybe picking a costume, it feels magical because it feels like the world transforms and you're not really thinking about like, oh, those neighbors went to the store and bought stuff. You're not thinking about that. It's just popping up. So when we get older, I feel like we lose some of that because if we want Halloween, we have to create it. Well, and, and think about as a kid, what better payoff to end Halloween with like rather like you have a five pound bag of of various right. types of candy it's like the ultimate kids holiday man yeah now let's talk about when we start halloween because for some people it's the week of or just one day for us it's not i mean this year we started pretty early i think we started in august we started in late august that's when we started <laughs> like shopping for decorations and thinking about costumes like I have it down to a science now when August comes it's hot in Utah and I'm thinking about the relief of fall (laughs) of the weather changing. Right. And so it's on my mind, but I don't typically act on it. 
September is all preparation for me. Let's get out some of those books, some of those movies. Let's get them ready, you know? Right. But I felt that a perfect time to start celebrating is the first day of fall or autumn, which uh, I think this year was September 22nd, but typically it's September 21st. I think that's perfect because that's if you're living in a in part of a country, the country or the world, the, the the leaves change and stuff like that's when it starts happening. So that that's like when I start. Typically, that's when I start decorating and all that kind of stuff is uh, in autumn. Yeah, it's probably different for Josh, right? Because you don't necessarily have your your own house yet, so that would be different. But do you do stuff like in your room? <laughs> you know, no, I don't. I don't have any decorations or anything. Actually, I guess I could get a spooky wallpaper on my computer. You could put a spooky wallpaper on your. Do it right now. I think I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look for one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. Um, I don't know. I I like. I think I've always prepared early for Halloween. Like as soon as a, a really good indicator for me is as soon as the. The horror stores, the this Halloween stores start opening. I, uh, I generally like it starts feeling like Halloween to me. Like, okay, it's coming. Yeah, you know, I I will try to avoid um, Halloween stores if it's like if they're opening in August. I don't even know if they typically do, or if it was just this year. I don't know. But, but then, Halloween stores are kind of funny, right? Because it's almost like this like parasite where <laughs> they, just they take don't over abandoned warehouses. They're in different spots every yeah. time. So like, if something goes out of business. Uh, around like summer, it. you're like, oh, that's probably going to be a Halloween store. I uh, and well, and there's also the indicator too of like when you start seeing Halloween decorations in like grocery stores and just regular stores themselves, and that's always kind of fun. You start seeing pumpkins out front. Yeah. yeah. Now, unfortunately, you also start seeing some Christmas decorations next to them, which in I, October, I, yeah, yeah, which I believe is sacrilege. But um, what do you do? What do you do? So uh, traditions can be anything that you want um uh, and like josh just brought brought up like you don't have to necessarily decorate or deck out everything you could simply change the background on your on your computer you could do a lot of things and these are sort of like uh some suggestions that this whole thing is kind of suggestions on uh what you can do to make your this season feel more festive because like I said, if you're an adult, man, you, you better be making it or you could miss it. And I, I realized that at just 20. And I was like, I never want that to happen again. I think going back to when you start, for me, if I start decorating in August, like it starts to normalize by the end of October, you know, like I mm -hmm. see and smell the things that I'm doing and all of a sudden I'm like, it's it's not noticeable anymore. It fades into the background. So, like, that's why I wouldn't want to do it too early. Let's go back. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's talk about some trick-or-treating. Now, we all did that as a kid. I'm curious what age you stopped trick-or-treating, Josh. Ooh. Um, well, I started with uh, trunk-or-treats. That's what you, you started with? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard of them. I've never done it. Um, Boring, Josh. Yeah, I know. Uh, setting up the car, driving to a parking lot, and uh, doing a trunk or treat there. I think I was fourteen or fifteen when I stopped trick or treating. Um, that's about average, I think. I would say that's yeah. average. Yeah, 
That's about, I know. I'm I think it was uh, when we moved to Texas. My dad was in the military, so like, I think I moved to Texas when I was 14, and like all the friends that I would have trick or treated with that year were uh, still in Maryland. So now, I was you, like, oh, I think I'm old enough. <laughs> did you ever okay. trick or treat around neighborhoods? Um, yeah, like in in Maryland, probably when I was like. 12 is when they started letting me oh wow or my i guess maybe i i think i remember going with a group of friends like maybe at 10 or so i'm always shocked when i think about my parents and how late they let us stay out and how young we were and how far we would go on our own Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh yeah yeah Yeah, i mean typically on a typical night uh kids in the 80s 90s it was like street lights come on you you go inside but on Halloween, it was like, come home sometime. Come home. like I remember sometimes getting home at 1130 or midnight. And I remember my feet just hurting so That's, bad. And you're by yeah. the end of it, you're carrying like pounds and pounds in your pillow. At least case. 20 pounds of candy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was my indication of when it was time to go home was when my feet started hurting. Yeah. And um, so w- when I was really young, until about nine, I was in an apartment complex. And so... I remember we would go to the mall. Malls used to be huge in the 80s, right? And and they they had stores that would participate in trick-or-treating. They would deck them out in the front of the store. And we would do that. And then we would go just around our apartment complex. And as a little kid, that was good enough, sure. you know? And there was always like that one house where around Halloween time, those okay, people like, that you don't see often start becoming more scary. Yeah. There was always a witch's house in our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know? Like, that's definitely the witch. And she, of course, never participated in Halloween. There's a single guy that wore glasses similar to Jeffrey Dahmer where we're like, he's a serial killer. And <laughs> on Halloween, he's definitely a serial killer, you know. <laughs> but yeah, then when we, we when I actually grew up in a neighborhood with houses, then that's when we would go far off. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for hours, man. I think about it now and I think about like my own daughter and, I, and I'm definitely a little bit more... Um, I don't know that I'd be like, okay, being like, okay, you're eight. Yeah. Let's have your 10 year old sister watch you go ahead and go out to like 11 or 12 at night without any supervision. (laughs) No, no. And I I get why Josh did trunk or treating until he was 10. Like I'm going to try not to do that as hard as possible. I'm just going to go trick or treating with my kid. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, but they're, they're going to reach an age where they're like, they don't want me there. Yeah. I'm going with my friends. I was like, okay, here's your. Uh, GPS watch I will be well yeah we have phones now and <laughs> yeah. we have the technology yeah and so we could check where they are at all times and I'll tell you man Halloween is going to be a little different when my when my daughter's a teenager yeah because I'm just going to be staring at my phone I'm going to be going through a different kind of horror <laughs> yeah. just like watching where she's at all yeah time. yeah she was going to be popping out of bushes. We'll be like slowly. Yeah. We'll probably be like stalking her yeah. slightly. Oh, you'd be able to like do some pretty cool scares. It's true. Like oh, yeah. Keep track, true. That's know, right. Yeah. Make it part of the fun. Play some pranks. <laughs> I know. Trunk or treating is interesting. I mean, I know that they decorate the trunks and it, it's a safer option. You kind of know the community who's doing it, but yeah. there's nothing like going ruining, to houses. It's ruining the tradition for me. Yeah, I think there's enough people to where it won't now, become permanent tradition. I think it's fine for whoever wants to do it. Like, I'm not yeah. poo-pooing it yeah. or anything. But I'm probably never going to participate in a trunk-or-treat. And if I do, it'll be, like, pre-gaming the actual trick-or-treat. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, when I, w- 
when I was old enough to start going trick or treating on my own, I would still go to the trunk or treats because yeah, you could get. They were usually on like a weeknight too. Yeah, you could get or something you like could that. Score they a were bunch of candy on really a day easily. separate from Halloween. Yeah, and yeah. You can print candy at at those uh, trunk or treats. Wait, explain. You know, there's so many cars. You're just oh, you know, 30, I, it's a 30 minutes. You can hit like. A hundred cars in thirty minutes. I thought they were actually printing candy, like like oh, yeah. like like how no. Vegas is doing with the with the coins. You know, now they print oh yeah vouchers. Yeah. I thought they give you vouchers. Like here, you get candy later. Um, yeah, you could do that in addition to 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 uh, yeah. actual trick or treating. Uh, do you guys have any like favorite favorite treats and worst treats for your Halloween bag, your trick or treating bag? For me, any of the worst treats that never, like, they made it to, like, the next year. They were in my pillowcase Mm -hmm. till the next Halloween, where anything that was, like, chalky and, like, uh, hard, like, any hard candy. But, you know, like, even Smarties. Like, I don't hate Smarties, but I wasn't, like, happy to get them. Those would be the last things I would eat before the leftovers of that I wouldn't eat. Right. I would eat those, yeah. And, and like, um, I don't know, the... Any, Maybe like, I'm a weird kid, but I loved Smarties. Those really? were like one of my favorites. Yeah. So those went first in your bag? Uh, like they weren't. Maybe not first. Okay, I'd say they were in like my top seven. <laughs> Chocolate <laughs> disappears first, right? It's not for me. Yeah. So for me, it was anything sour, taffy. Like when the the little sour punch, like individually wrapped straws, came around. Oh man, I, like my mouth is watering. Interestingly enough, just thinking about it, <laughs> we would have got along as kids because I would have gladly given you that kind of and stuff. And I would have given you all my chocolate. Yeah, I did like um like the the Snickers like mini ones, but oh, not yeah. not the mini mini ones as much. But like you know like the the because there's like the tiny square ones, and then there's the ones that are like a level up from there. I always liked those. I hated like the tiny tiny mini candy. Bars. I don't remember the the squares when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember the, tiny. the I remember the like fun size. Yeah, so fun size ones I liked, and I liked like any of those like Milky Way, Snickers, uh, even Three Musketeers, which most kids hate. I loved those, so I would I would eat those. Like I was happy to get chocolate, and I was happy to eat it, but like all the sour and fruity and and chewy stuff went first for me, and all the hard grandma candies. I don't know yeah. if those ever, maybe like it was one of those like days, like I was just like fiending for any sugar. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll pop a butterscotch in my mouth. Did you guys ever the get there's original? Yeah. Did you guys ever get like, um, like apples or like homemade treats? There was a place. No, by, there was a place by my house called like Pony Haven. And they would either give out a hot dog or a donut. And I remember it was the biggest decision every year when I got there. I'm like, what do I want? A hot dog or a donut? Yeah. Do I want to get full or <laughs> yeah. do I just want to ride the sugar high? So I think I always went for the hot dog because I was like, if I eat food, I could sustain myself for a longer trick or treat. You're getting treats. And I'm anyway. already getting candy yeah. and stuff like that. So I think I'd always go hot dog. I always That's have this smart that, choice. I have this distinctive memory of when I was in my apartment complex that, um, a lady decided to make um, Rice Krispie treats instead of candy and give them out. And this is the 80s. This was that huge scare that there's razor blades and and apples and poison, which isn't true, actually. I think the only cases were, like, in the family. Like, like the bizarre cases where the parents are poisoning their kids, which is disgusting. 
but no, but no stranger has just poisoned kids. Right. As far as like weird we know of. Or like put free edibles out. Yeah, like you know? they were trying to say that that's going to happen if we make marijuana legal. Oh, they're going to give away the... The, the marijuana gummies to kids, like no one in their right mind would give away a $40 gummy. That cost a, a lot more than regular gummies. <laughs> yeah. So I remember we were, we got them and everybody like threw them down and the door was still open and I saw the lady's face and it was sad. Aww. And so I ate it like, and, and everyone's like, you're going to die. It's probably poison. And I'm like, you know what? At least I die. At least you made the lady happy. Yeah, at least I, at least I'm not gonna make an old lady cry on Halloween. And that was a that's a lot of work to make that many Rice Krispie squares. That's true. Oh yeah. Now I think um, I think Josh might be too young to remember this candy, but Brandon, you might remember it because I'm pretty sure this was a big '80s and like early '90s candy. Do you remember the Nico wafers? The Neko oh, wafers? Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Those are so bad. Yeah. Like those. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've seen those before. Yeah, have you seen them? They were rare. Oh, but... my God. <laughs> yeah. It was a rare thing. But I remember always being like, this is going to be good because I like stuff that's like that, like nutty bars or, yeah. or like basically chocolate covered versions of that. So I don't know if you know what Neko wafers I'm talking about. Is there like strawberry ones and vanilla ones? These were like almost... They're like little coins, right? Yeah. Oh, maybe I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. These things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those those are called wafers? Yeah, I think yeah. they're called Nico wafers. I can't remember if they're called wafers or not. Yeah, Nico wafers. Nico but uh, wafers, anyway, yeah. I that was one of my biggest disappointments. And I used to think, what's the... What's those one things called that's basically just the inside of a, a Butterfinger without the chocolate? Do you know what I'm talking about? Choco... No. Gosh. Do you remember what I was talking about? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I used to think those are bad, but then by I actually ate one, and I was like, oh, this is just the inside of a Butterfinger. Yeah, no, I love those. Um, ha, And then I was the weird kid that liked the mounds and the Almond Joys and all that stuff, but I didn't necessarily love... Everyone like talks about Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, now, yes. I didn't love like the like the mini ones or like your regular ones, but the ones that were amazing and are always are always going to be amazing are like the pumpkin ones because it just had like more Reese's peanut butter stuff in it. So I really liked those. And of course, nerds, like the little mini box of nerds that you just like take like a shot of alcohol as a kid. <laughs> I stayed away from nerds. Yeah, see, we would have got along. I'm like trying to find what that candy's called because it's gonna drive you nuts yeah it's gonna drive me nuts <laughs> uh my favorites uh i really liked the hundred grand oh those bars. were so good those were yeah. so good uh reese's peanut butter cups and butterfinger those are probably my top three yeah and then, uh my worst was tootsie rolls bro yeah, the Tootsie Rolls, I, I didn't hate them, but I was like, you give me a Tootsie Roll for Halloween, like, step it up, you know? I, I hated yeah. it. I did, however, love the colorful ones. I could eat about 10,000. The colorful ones. ones are good. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But. I hated all of them, man. It didn't matter what color it was. I was just not into Tootsie Rolls. What about the, oh, you know what really kind of always sucked to get is the generic, like, chocolate wrapped like like it might have a pumpkin on the wrapper or a witch but it was just like off-brand generic chocolate that yeah. always tasted like shit i always in the end there'd be white for some reason like white <laughs> spots on them because they've been so old 
Um, I always liked those because they were like festive. There's like, sure. oh, it's a witch, but I never enjoyed eating them. But I was like, I felt like I had to. By the way, it was called a uh, Chico stick. Chico stick. I knew it had a Chico type sound. Yeah, Chico sticks. Um, Tootsie Roll. You don't see Fun those fact anymore. about Tootsie Rolls, they made those for, I believe, World War II. So the troops can have chocolate without it melting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, see, now if you don't like it, you're not patriotic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, man. I'm not very patriotic anyway. So, so I also hated getting um, like the mini wrapped like Hershey bars and like the Mr. Good bars and all those. And they were not bad chocolates. Like, I, but I, They're not bad chocolates, but I just didn't like those. I was not a huge chocolate fan as a kid. So just like plain wrapped chocolate didn't do it for me. If it didn't have like caramel or nougat in it, you know? Yeah, but um, Mr. Good bar has chunks of peanuts. Yeah, which all kids love peanuts. I do. <laughs> I remember Mr. Good Bars. Those were the worst as a kid. <laughs> they really... I just, I'd see the yellow wrapping and I would just immediately want to throw it across the room <laughs> for some reason. That's how I was doing. <laughs> like they would, the person that had them would have like the assortment, right? They'd have like the crackle and the regular Hershey and the dark chocolate and then the Mr. Good Bar. And then they, they have the handful and they'd start dropping them in your bags and you were just like, don't be the yellow one. Don't be the yellow one. <laughs> you guys are crazy. The only way I would throw a Mr. Good bar is if I was able to throw it against the wall, have it bounce off and go right back into my mouth. Because <laughs> I loved them, man. And I still do. Uh, <laughs> what about nut rolls? Did you ever get like mini nut rolls? I don't remember getting a lot of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever opened them, though. They have like some weird white stuff in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like the 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 strong like over peanuted candies never appealed much to me. Now, I don't think that Josh ever probably had one of these in his bag, but back in the day I do remember getting wax lips. Yes. Oh, definitely. And of course they weren't good, but they were fun, right? I, I loved getting some of those. They were like, like medicine flavored. <laughs> I don't think you were supposed to eat them, but I ate and swallowed them. <laughs> I don't think which you might, were supposed to eat them yeah, at all. <laughs> might be where a lot of like, my adult problems come from. Even the ones that have like the liquid in them, you're just supposed to like bite off the tops. Oh, the little drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can't remember what they're called, but would you, would you guys get a uh, circus peanuts? We did get a few yeah. circus peanuts and I hated those, man. I, I, oh, I hated yeah. them until I got older. Yeah. And I just had them like recently a few months ago and I was like, <laughs> I, I like them. Some of them I still, I will tell you my most hated candy of all time, that this is, Worse than the Necco wafers, this is worse than any of the hard candies, was bubble gum. Like the yellow, oh, yeah. the yellow bubble gum wrapper with the pink gum inside. Like I bubble just, yum? Like bubble yum. I just oh, hated, man. hated bubble yum. <laughs> gum of any sorts. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of gum because I'm like, it's like candy you can't swallow. <laughs> like what? Yeah, getting any kind of bubble yum, man. That would that would make me so so bad. Bitto honey. I feel like I I would try to stick as many bubble yums in my mouth as I could. (laughs) There, there was a type of uh, bubble gum that I liked as a kid. It was like something stripes. Oh, fruit stripes. Fruit stripes. Fruit stripes stripes stripes. was my jam. Yeah, that's because it was so sweet and good. Yeah. Um, Raisinets. You ever get raisinets in your bag and get upset? Oh, I always liked raisinets, and I uh, what was alone on most of that. Yeah, I don't think I ever liked raisinets. But yeah, bitto honey, and I think it was because I would wait 
Like it'd be months before I'd be like, all right, I'm going to break into the bed of honeys, I guess. And they'd be so rock hard by then (laughs) that I thought that that's just how they tasted. (laughs) Uh, When I, when I got older and actually tried a fresh bed of honey, I was like, this is fine. Um, did you ever get bit of honeys, Josh? I think that was like kind of uh, yeah. Out. My mom was really into them, yeah. So she would... she just took all the bit of honeys and <laughs> nobody complained. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about okay? There's there's also those candies that you got that were like good, but were hard to eat. So did you ever get like the sugar daddy like um, stick? Yeah, like the caramel. Yeah, or sugar babies. Well, sugar babies were easy to eat. Sugar mamas. But the sugar daddy specifically was basically caramel on a hard stick. caramel on a stick. Yeah, and I loved I, them. But I loved them. Yeah, you're right. Oh they're my hard god, to eat. I'm pretty yeah. sure like they could have ripped out a tooth or two for me when I was younger. Yeah, you know the now and laters. Yeah. yeah, I feel like those fit in that category. Definitely, definitely yeah. like, like delicious but hard to eat. They, really, really hard starbursts. I feel like they used to make them harder because I've eaten them lately now and they're pretty soft. And like, I think maybe they had to do that. Like you guys were eating them wrong. You're supposed to eat some now and then save (laughs) Save, it for later. And you save it in your mouth for later because it takes a while. All right. So let's talk about Halloween haunts. Now, I remember Halloween haunts being basically like backyard haunts for the longest time. Like they didn't get commercialized. I don't know if they're still, I don't know if they're necessarily commercialized these days. Like, I don't know of a haunt that's like across the United States, but they're definitely, the production has gone up in them. And I can remember the first time, I think it was about 14 or 15, where I went to an actual haunt that was like in a field that they'd built, right? But it was still just like a wooden maze like you yeah know, like plywood maze yeah and people jumping out at you and you're like oh the best thing about it was like when you first entered this maze michael myers walked up and just hung over the archway that you had to enter swinging a knife and in my little kid brain i was like he's going to stab me <laughs> i can't go like my body would not move toward it i also remember my friend was uh more scared than I was, which made me feel a little bit more brave, you know? <laughs> and I m- made him jump. Like I grabbed the back of him right when an actor came out. And, and so he got this double scare and he ran through the entire thing and he left me alone. Oh no. So like he missed the whole thing cause he ran through and now I'm just alone. And I was like, I regret the decision that I made <laughs> a few seconds ago. That's almost like part of the fun of going to the haunts though is when you're going with people and like seeing if you could scare them too. Like yeah. I know you've done it to me several times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm easy scare. I'm an easy scare. Uh, they've really evolved and they've almost become like entering a different world. I completely yeah. love a haunt. Like a good haunt is probably one of my favorite things about Halloween, honestly, is, is yep. just going into these. And they're expensive, but it almost like... A, it's one of those things I almost can't complain about because it's just so fun and mm-hmm. it's so exciting. I'd agree with that. Yeah. One of my favorite ones out here is Haunted Hollow, right? Isn't that yeah. the one in Ogden? Yep. And I think one of the biggest reasons why I like that is, A, it's long. It's quite, it it's really quite lengthy, which is, is nice. You feel like you're getting it's, – and it's not as expensive as some of the other haunts either. But also it's outdoors, Mm-hmm. And there's trees. And the first year that we ever went, there was like boogans like hanging in like are like in the trees, these tall, creepy boogan guys just like standing and doing nothing. And it's just like the ambiance of all of it was so scary. And then you're going through like these old mines, which makes it even scarier. 
and there's moments where yeah, they have real like, minds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the first year we went too, there was like an actual well and the ring girl like yes. curled and spider curled out of it. And it was so creepy. Here's the thing that I love about Haunted oh, yeah. Hollow. And it's what I lean towards when I look for a haunt is they got the atmosphere right. And they're trying to creep you out rather than getting jump scares. Now, I'm all about a jump, good jump scare. You need a couple. But if that's all it is, it's it, it's just like uh, just I, I just come out of it a nervous wreck. Right. Uh, you know, I need the experience of like the atmosphere being spooky. And the thing about Haunted Hollow is sometimes you're walking outside on a trail in in, like you said, just surrounded by trees and nothing's like happening. You're walking to the other part that's going to scare you. And it just reminded me of like trick or treating as a kid. You yeah. Know? Like you're walking with your friends, you're a little bit scared and it's like, just like, for, like for me, it feels like being like yeah. in a scary movie, you know, I'm trying to like Google boogans, like in case like people are like, what's, what is a boogans? <laughs> it's like some weird made up word. I have, I have, I see people. There, there is a, a 1981 film called the boogans hey there you go that's where i got it from wait is it racist it better not be racist <laughs> no i don't think so it's from 1981 <laughs> i mean not that racism didn't exist in 1981 but it just looks like a creature feature so another one that actually i know brandon hasn't been to and i'm pretty sure josh hasn't been to this one but one of them that i just find i found so terrifying when i went was the strangling brothers circus have you either? I know Brandon hasn't, but Josh, have you been to that one? Um, no. So I think what I really like about this one is, um, there there's several different ways you can do like a haunted house. You know, Brandon talked about the plywood plywood boards. Um, we have like the outdoor ones that we just talked about. Now this is kind of outdoors, but what they do is they get a bunch of truck trailers, and and they fit them like each each trailer is a different like scene like a whole different like horror so like you 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 walk up and you walk into this truck trailer and and it's like scary as hell and you walk all the way through it and they're long they're, they're these very long truck trailers and and it's kind of scary because like they're kind of they're they're not super wide but you can see like the terror at the end of the truck trailer and and you have to walk toward it and you know you have to walk toward it and it makes it all this much scarier and then you can walk out and as you're like walking through like this this yard and, and going to the next truck trailer, there's all kinds of stuff going on outside that like noises and people kind of like, where where'd that sound come from and all all this kind of stuff. And I thought that was that was a really clever way to do it. And and it's different. Like because if there's one thing I don't want in my haunts is for me to be able to go to somewhere like Haunted Hollow and then somewhere else and have it be the exact same thing. Like the really cool thing about haunts is they can all be so different. And and I think that you're missing an opportunity if you don't like have something really special and different about, about your haunt. Like Fear Factory, yeah. while not one of my favorite haunts, has something really special about it, which is you're walking through this old factory and you get really high up into this factory and it gets really scary up there. And, the, and again, like the feeling and the ambiance is really cool. I found Bogans in the Urban Dictionary. Unknown... And or scary creature. Hey. That's crazy. Hey, see? Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into too many like uh, Utah um, haunts because not everybody lives in Utah that's listening. But I do know that, and I don't know if these even exist in Utah, the extreme haunts. Oh. Now, do you guys know about these? Josh, yeah. you know about these? Yeah, I think you've mentioned them in the past, but I'll let you do the explanation. So some haunts recently like you can buy a 
like a glow stick necklace and people are allowed to touch you. And I'm like, I'll pass even on that. Like, don't touch me. Yeah. I'm not going to touch you. Don't touch me. But these go to the extreme where there are, there's one called blackout. And now I don't, I've never been through any of these. And so I'm not going to get them precisely correct of what they do, but basically it's not fun. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be an endurance test. Yeah. And you are going in to see if you can handle it. And a lot of them like a safe word or something. I was just going to say that. Yeah. A lot of them have safe words, but there's one in particular that doesn't, you have to just go through it. You have to sign a waiver. It's not even, it's not, it doesn't even cost money. The guy just wants canned dog food so he can donate it to like dogs in need. Huh. Which makes me scared of this guy because he's like, I don't even want to profit off it. <laughs> I don't even I just want your wanna, money. I just want to torture the I just shit wanna, out of I just, you. Yeah, I just scare wanna, people. And people bleed in it. Like they get things shoved in their mouths. Like I don't want anything shoved in my mouth. And he films it the whole time too. I don't know if I want that either. And and his his wife was saying on a documentary that I was watching that like all throughout the night he could just hear screams. Oh my she could God. hear screams because he's just like sitting in the room always editing. And that just like terrifies me. Like that is somebody. Now look, maybe he is a psychopath and instead of killing people, he's terrifying them and hurting them, but not killing. So maybe he found a good outlet. Maybe he found a a loophole. (laughs) Yeah. Which is fine. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I personally don't want to participate in any of these. I will. I will admit that like, I kind of want to participate now. I don't want to participate in that one. Like this extreme one. But there are some that like really pique my interest. And I think it's like the almost like I I have a lot of like endurance for things in life in general. And I I think I just want to prove to myself that I could do something like this. It's more of that excitement. And I know speak Melanie's not here and I could speak for her. I know she wants to do this. Maybe one of these days I'll buy her like a a birthday present and her and I can go do this together when we're a little bit older. Because I kind of, this actually appeals to me a tiny bit. And I, maybe it's like this semi-masochist in me too. It's the same yeah. reason why I like going to the dentist, you know, I'm just like <laughs> that kind it of person. Seems, it seems like a bucket list to maybe go through one of those once for me. But again, I would not, not the most extreme one. But no. And I would want to say, like man, I would want to, I would want to know I have a way out. I wouldn't want to yeah, just like definitely a safe word. And I, I would, and I, I would, I would hope that there's ones that they don't like sh- force shit in your mouth and force you to eat weird shit. Like I don't want anything sure shoved in my mouth. I mean, uh, you, the, the, the safe word to me is like not even just a way out, but it's like, I didn't say it you know, yeah. afterward, like it's, it's even, sure. it builds up even more of that. Right. Like I could prove I something by not yeah. saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, you have a way out. You don't take it. You're, you're tough. I'm just looking one up right now. Uh, the black blackout experience. It's not merely a cheap trick. This production has a fairly consistent narrative and the way it evokes dread is more psychological than most shows on Broadway. Oh, pff, never mind. Disregard everything I was saying. <laughs> this one's just psycho. Do you think you'll do that one day, Josh? Should I buy you a ticket too? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Count me Brandon, in. Brandon, Brandon will wait outside for all of us. No, I would. I would do those. I. I mean, like, like you were saying, like, if anything's like getting shoved in my mouth or like I'm gonna bleed. Yeah. During it. Yeah, I don't want to be like physically like, injured. 
I have been put in situations of the fight or flight and I fight. Yeah. That's what I do. And I feel like if somebody was doing stuff to me and I was saying stop and there's no safe word and they weren't, I feel like I would start fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would start. Yeah. And so I wanted to mention this anyway. When you go into a Halloween haunt, even the non-extreme ones, you're letting go of reality and you're going like, I'm ready to be scared. I'm ready to be sucked into. We've gone with people that are like, these don't scare me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you're no fun. Yeah. Like they don't necessarily scare me. No, but you let yourself. I let myself. (laughs) Yeah. So if I'm like, if I'm doing that, going into these haunts, I might trick myself into thinking that I'm actually going to be murdered. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm going to, I want to go to one now. Maybe I'm going to make that my next year goal. So there's blackout in Los Angeles, New York City, and San Francisco. Individual individual experience with rare group shows. Full physical contact, simulated rape, nudity, no, blood. I don't want simulated extreme rape. Extreme haunt that should not be approached lightly. Halloween events are tamer than off-screen events. Psychological, intense, sexual, and graphic. See, I don't want the sexual stuff. No. So it looks like during the Halloween season, they have a more palatable version. I guess but so. if you just want to get tortured, you can go <laughs> anytime. What is the simulated rape? That's really, really, <laughs> really bad. Yeah. No, and thank like, you. I wouldn't condone that at all. Hell no. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite, I think my favorite thing I've ever done for a Halloween haunt of all time for sure, and I would like to actually make this a tradition for Bub Club to like go and do this, is the Universal Studios Hollywood Horror Nights, right? Yes. And it is it is so cool. Like you walk in and it feels like you're in this movie all of a sudden. There's like chicks in cages dancing by fire and like each section of the park, like there's like the scare zones. And so there was like a Krampus one and it looked yeah, they're like, all themed. It looked like you were in the movie Krampus when you'd walk into this section and they're like, and like there was non-scare zones, you know, for you to kind of like, you know, chill out, chill out. Yeah. And all of the, all of the haunts there are like, they're based off of movies. So they had like a, you know, a Halloween one, a, a walking dead one, which was completely terrifying. The longest line I've ever waited in, but super terrifying. It was one of those lines where you could see the end of it. And then when you get to the end of it, you're like, oh no, there's this it chunk continues. of line. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but even they even had a this uh, is the end this is the end one which ended up being really scary like how could a comedy movie be scary well they made it scary it was really cool and there's just something really amazing about like some of these haunts were like the equivalent of what you would pay like 30 bucks for here to go through like one of your local haunts like they are incredibly well done and some of the actors in them look like the actors in the movie so you truly feel like you're going into these movies and these scary movies and it kind of adds a different level of terror because you know what happens in the movies so you kind of know what's coming and you're you're just like anticipating that uh, part of the horror and it's oh man and it's not even that expensive i think we paid like 50 60 bucks a ticket something like that i can't remember Universal is a production company that makes movies and right. they make horror movies so they have the means to do this and sometimes they'll grab like Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie designed his own House of Thousand Corpses maze. Um, I remember the first year I went because I was going every year because I lived down there. And so I, I had to go every year because it's so amazing. But they did a Nightmare on Elm Street. 
and it was a it was awesome because they had the giant worm. I don't remember what what. Um, I think that's part three. Yeah, the giant worm eating uh-huh. the girl. They had that full animatronic, realistic looking Freddy worm eating a girl. It's all like horror movies. And some of these haunts might touch base on some movies, but it'll be like a prop in the corner or something like of that nature. But these were just, you're in the movie. You were transformed in the movie. They audition actors and actresses, and they're amazing in it. Yeah. So, yeah, by far the best experience is, is universal. And you want to talk about, like, feeling like it's the halloween season man that's the way to do it oh they got it yeah they're blasting rob zombie music and spooky music and yeah it is it is amazing it makes me sad that i'm not there right now i know well should we should we talk about some something else now yeah uh so next on the list horror comic books do you want me to start with this one? Sure. I can start with this one. I bought this comic book um, last year, actually, and it's called The Very DC Halloween. And I think if there's one thing I like, and I haven't tried Marvel. I don't know how many like Marvel horror comic books there are. And, of course, there's the stuff that outside of DC and, and, and Marvel that are horror and Halloween and stuff like that. But for some reason, DC, because it's already kind of a dark world in general, like some of these Halloween stories just work really well. And one of my favorite ones in here, and this is a little bit of a spoiler. Um, one of my favorite ones in here, well, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't spoil any of the stories in here. Um, but they're basically, it's your favorite, it's like your very well-known characters. You have Batman and Swamp Thing and Solomon Grundy, of course. Why wouldn't he be in the Halloween stories? And they're these one-offs and and they can basically do anything they want. And there's like very interesting, like some of the stories in here for me would actually, they kind of make sense in like a outside of this book. Like they'd be like, whoa, what if that was really real? Like what if that was a real like situation? And it doesn't necessarily, I don't know. It's, it's kind of just like a fun way to get these like one-offs and they really like dive deep into like um, what ifs. Like, what if Batman was, like, a psychologically disturbed, you know? Pretty like sure that. he is. Yeah, but, like, on a, on a whole new <laughs> level, you know, on a whole new level. And I don't know. It, it's one of my favorite. Now, I will say, like, like for every two really good stories, there might be a bad one that I'm just, like, not interested in. Mm-hmm. However, the majority of this book is really fascinating and cool. And... Uh, I, I don't know. Go check it out. It's pretty cheap. Um, a very DC Halloween. How much Halloween is present in the book? Um, that's a good question. Not much, actually. It's mostly scary it stories. Like, does it take place on Halloween or October? There might be one or one or two stories that does, but the majority of them are just like horror stories. Yeah. So here, so I've talked about how movies in October have to be halloween for me to feel like it's um a change because i watch horror movies all the time but everything kind of else that i'm about to talk about doesn't necessarily have to follow in that category because when i'm reading comic books it's superhero comic books when i'm reading books it's usually like sci-fi or or um non-fiction so when you so when i so when the so when october comes around i could just 
indulge in something horror and it works for me. Um, however, speaking of DC, there is um, Haunted Night by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Now, these are their Halloween specials that they were doing. They were individual comic books that they were putting out. I think there's like th- three to five like chapters in each story. And the collection is three stories total. So around October, they would come out with an issue, another issue up to like five, and you'd have the complete story. And then they did it uh, two more years after that and then put it all in one book, which eventually led them to doing The Long Halloween, which sounds like a Halloween book, but it really just like takes place on Halloween in the beginning, goes through that the entire year, kind of ends on Halloween. All holidays. Yeah, it's an all ho- like it's a holiday killer throughout the book. But Haunted Night is tales of the Batman on Halloween. And they describe in the beginning how Gotham is a terrifying place anyway. But on Halloween. But on Halloween night, it gets real. So I would definitely suggest that. Um, they just It's definitely available because they just reissued like the, the trade. So I did look up if there was like Marvel Halloween books. I do see here there's an Avengers Halloween special, and it looks like they kind of carry that tradition. Uh, so you might find one there. Hmm. But one that I really want to talk about that is dripping with Halloween is I love Halloween. Now it's like Louv, like L-U-V, I-L-U-V, Halloween, from Ben Roman and Keith Giffen from 2005. Now I have the Ultimate Twisted Edition, which is three stories, and there are three rather long stories in this really big, thick, hardcover book. Unfortunately, I looked that up on Amazon. It's like 200 bucks, but you can get the individual stories for pretty cheap on Amazon. Maybe some bookstores carry them. But this is a tale of kids, four kids that are going trick-or-treating. That's all they want to do is trick-or-treat. But every story, something happens to them and they go on these misadventures. Now, it sounds like kind of a kid's comic book, but it is not. It is very gruesome and uh, not for children. So it, I love this because it starts with like the anticipation of the sun going down and they call it a sacred moment. Like they stand right at this, the end of the block and watch the sun go down and anybody interrupts it, they go, hey, sacred moment here. And then they start the adventures. For example, the first, the first story in, the, in this collection is they go to their first house and an old lady gives them an apple. And they're like, we've been Applejacked. It's like this curse that they know of where if your first house you hit isn't candy, the rest of the night isn't. (laughs) And then their other friend joins them and they're like, maybe you could break the curse by going to the second house before we do. And they get this thing called Choco Willies, which is like health candy. They're like, Uh well, it's not exactly candy, but it sort of is. And then it's them trying to get like take away this curse. And how do they do it? They put razor blades in an apple and oh, feed it man. to a cop. Oh my God. And have him eat it. So it's stories like that. The second one, the zombie apocalypse is happening, but they continue to um, trick or treat. And then the last one, it's an alien invasion where they continue to trick or treat. So great fun, gory, really like Halloween, dripping with Halloween. So I would suggest it. Uh, I love Halloween. L O L U V. What about you, Josh? Uh, I haven't read a ton of 
horror comic books besides The Walking Dead. Have you read all particular. The Walking Dead's? Or just kind of started? I, I haven't finished. I've probably read about two-thirds of it. They're quite a bit um, more brutal than the TV show. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I think the comic was what really turned me off from the TV show. Because I started out as a, a fan of the show, and after like season four or whatever i was like okay i gotta i gotta read what this is based on and like season four got to like the third issue or something i don't know it was like really early in the comics yeah and uh, the comics are very fast paced compared to the show they're just moving on from one problem to the next right and then like the show kind of expanded the uh the small problems they faced into entire seasons. Right. Like I know the farm, I know the farm scene in the comic book is like so brief and it's an entire season in the, in the show. Right. Yeah. It's like a chapter. Yeah. And then different people yeah, die to the prison. And, um, uh, there's some characters that aren't even in the comic books. Like Michael Rooker's character, I don't think is in the comic book. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, some characters like die in the show that are alive in the comic yeah. books, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I I'm pretty sure, like at this point, the show has departed like so far oh, from the comic books. It definitely that has. It's uh, I don't know. Like, it it's kind of rough to call it an adaptation. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh. But I think the show's still like pretty decent. Yeah. Um, but I I really did enjoy the comic books, and it looks like the last issue came out in July of 2019. So it's a lot of material. Uh, That's a lot of material. Yeah, it started in ended. 2003. Wow! In October was when the the first issue came out. So it'll be interesting. Same with the show. Maybe it was. It'll be interesting to see oh, okay. how those end. I think uh, I think this is a good suggestion for a Halloween read, um, especially if you're not if you just if you're not reading horror comic books. Yeah, like jumping into The Walking Dead is a great opportunity during the Halloween season. In fact, I did that a year before the show came out, and I I only read the first five trades. I liked it. I just had so much other stuff that I was reading, and I, I remember the show coming out in October on Halloween night, I believe, and I was working at a bar movie theater as a cook. And I remember trying to like rush to like close down because they were playing it in the theater, and uh, and I got to run and and catch it in the theater. It's a really good experience. But I think uh, The Walking Dead is a great book to read around Halloween. So let's talk about actual books. Do you guys have any suggestions for, um, not comic books, but books, books? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have like a ton of like, um, I would say like Halloween theme books. Like some of the ones that I would like to read when I was younger around the Halloween time is obviously like Edgar Allan Poe stuff, but that's not really, doesn't really count. But as far as like stories go, like true stories, um, well, first like scary stories to tell in the dark, that whole, all three of those were mm-hmm. always really fun to read as a kid. Um, but as I got older, like the HP Lovecraft stories are just like really set the tone for the creepy time of the year. And some of those would just like stay with me. I'd read them right before bed and they would just stay with me. And I'd just like lay awake in the dark thinking about these premises and stuff. Edgar Allan Poe feels Halloween to me. Yeah. Especially because Treehouse of Horror like did. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. What is it called? Is it the Raven? The Raven yeah. yeah, just the Raven. Yeah. Yeah, but they they weren't like quite as story esque as like an H.P. Lovecraft story where like there's there's whole thing you go through. You know, they were I don't know. I I mean I guess they were almost totally, poems. Yeah, right, they yeah. were almost poems, but there was something about um, H.P. Lovecraft as I got older. Like I've always liked reading like scary story books and and not just the scary stories to tell in the dark. Like. Um, you know, just even like goosebumps and silly things when I was a kid growing up. Yeah, and there's there's Halloween themed goosebumps too. Yeah, and I, I we read some when we were an adult. I yeah. think it was like three or four years ago. Yeah, or like it was around Halloween. We're like, let's just pick them up. You could read these nowadays in like one sitting. Yeah, easily, it's and it's it, they're pretty juvenile. Like I wouldn't suggest them for adults, no. but if if you are nostalgic for it, it's really easy read, and I think that the stories hold up like. If you were to just take the story in general and the twist, like that was the thing about Goosebumps is they had a great twist at the end. They're still fun. And so if you want to tap into that like childhood nostalgia, I think it's a good idea to try to check those out. But I wouldn't go recommending them to adults because they are juvenile. Yeah, I I really like the idea of like shorter stories around Halloween um, as far as like books go. And I think that's why I always like really liked H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, they weren't always super short. But the majority of them you could read in a sitting, and and I really like one-offs, like just like I'm gonna sit down and read something spooky and then think about it, you know. So that's the kind of books I kind of tended to gravitate toward. Yeah, um, I'll mention Edgar Allan Poe, uh, the Telltale Heart. Have you guys read that one? Yeah, that mm-hmm. one's actually pretty scary. Yeah, yeah that that's probably my favorite of his. Uh, I think when I was like 14, I was camping. Uh, my parents made me do scouts. And one of the kids in our scout troop while we were sitting around the fire, he recited the Telltale Heart from memory. Wow. Oh, wow. And it was like really spooky. Oh, that, that would uh, be spooky. I think it spooky. was like in, during fall time. And uh, yeah, it was around October, if I'm remembering it right. And No, that's awesome. I don't awesome. know. It kind of set the tone for ghost stories um around the campfire i guess no that's perfect i wish i could do that every october actually tell well maybe we'll get a like that's like now my new dream that just happened to get a fire pit and tell stories every night on on october yeah that would be that would be a blast um there's not a lot of halloween themed adult novels now i haven't looked into it too much maybe maybe i'm wrong but when you go to the bookstore and there's like, we just went to a bookstore at a mall and they had a display of like, you know, Halloween books and it's all horror books. Not one single one of them. And I checked were like Halloween themed. And even if it says like Halloween tales, they were just like ghost stories that didn't take place on Halloween. Most like Halloween books are like children's books. You know, you go to the bookstore and you see a display for children's books. They're like chock full of Halloween and I do, we do have a collection of Halloween books for our daughter. And I, I love reading her those and she gets really into them as well. But I, so I do have like, there is like Halloween books that will go through the traditions of old times. And I really have been wanting to pull the trigger and get one of those. But something that I would suggest that is just horror is 21st century ghosts by Joe Hill. Um, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. And this is an anthology book of uh, horror tales and they are really unique because they don't go in the direction that you think they're going to go in. And some of them like actually creep me out. I used to read these in the bathtub. I would like was into really like taking bubble baths and reading horror books. It was like really pleasant for me. 
these tales are sometimes so disturbing and not in the wrong ways, but really realistic that I had to take a break from them. And that's, that's like how much I'm, I'm suggesting this book because I think for horror fans, they will really enjoy this. Uh, there's also one about an inflatable boy who like nobody, nobody like is like, this is amazing. He's a, he's a living inflatable boy. They're more like, ah, oh, stupid inflatable kid. <laughs> you know, he's bullied. Well, that's what I would do if I saw an inflatable boy. Gross. And it's really, really sad. It's really sad. And it's not, it's, it's horror, but sort of like real life horror. But most of the tales are like horror, like a, uh, I, I won't I won't get into any of them because I, if you're planning on picking it up, there's so many spoilers. So I don't want to I don't want to do that. But that would be my suggestion. Now another thing that I'd love to do in the month of October, I am a seasoned board gamer and I have a show called Cards and Cubes um, on this network of Pod Cauldron, and we as a group always decide to play horror games during the month of October because we don't typically. Uh, we like to play like really heavy strategy games and there's not a lot of those that have the horror theme on them. They're really like about farming or the industrial age, you know, something that's not really that interesting around October. Um, so we all play board games and we all have some suggestions. I kept mine family friendly because I'm I'm not assuming that everybody listening to a horror podcast is also a board gamer. So these are some that I would suggest that would be good for the family. Easy easy rules, not really a lot of depth to them, but a lot of theme. Horrified is a game about universal horror monsters. They actually got the IP for it. So you have Frankenstein, you have Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, The Mummy, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. It's a cooperative game, so you're all playing together and you're taking turns moving around the board while trying to stop these monsters and each monster is asymmetric meaning that like they're going to play a little bit differently depending on who you put in so you get to choose who you put in like from the box art to the card art to the way the board looks it just looks like a like an 80s horror board game that actually is good because a lot of board games that came out in the states and in the 80s weren't that good so i would suggest horrified you could actually pick this up from target Another one, last Friday, you might actually have to purchase online or at a board game store, is pretty much uh, Friday the 13th, the board game. Now, they didn't get the IP for it. They call the killer the maniac, but he's wearing a very similar mask, and it's at a, a, a camp that's by a lake. I mean, it is Friday the 13th. They're not trying to hide that. Um, all the players are playing as camp counselors, except for one is playing... The Maniac. This is what's known in the board game community as a one-verse mini. The killer has a screen in front of him, and he's going to be secretively secretly moving around the board by writing down numbers. And there's on the board, there's numbers on the board. So he's writing down a sequence of numbers when he takes his turn. So you don't know where he is. This is called hidden movement. And the other players are trying to find out where he is. Different rounds take place. So like one round... The people are trying to find the killer. Another round, they're trying to get away from the killer. The last round, there's like a, a, a final girl and you have to like protect her because if she dies, then you lose the game. It's really fun. It's really thematic. 
I have a Jason Voorhees mask that I wear when I'm playing as the maniac to get more into it. So those are a couple that I would suggest um, for the Halloween season, Horrified and Last Friday. I really like uh, Mysterium. And this is a, a a game that you can play with uh, quite a few people, if I believe. It goes up, I think, to eight. Uh, yeah. And uh, basically one, one person is this like uh, ghost and you wear this kind of cool, it, you can, like the game actually, you can buy this mask that comes with it. It's not it's, super comfortable. It's, it's a promo. It, it's, yeah. You would have to buy it separately you online. You have to buy it separately yeah. online. But anyway, you can kind of wear this ghost mask. And um, every each person is trying to figure out, um, they're basically their own separate, like who killed, um, gosh, what was it? It was like who killed somebody. It's almost like a clue type it's situation. It's a clue thing. Like who, who killed someone who did with the, what? Who, who did the killing? With what, in what room? Oh, and I'm trying, so I'm trying to tell them who killed me. I'm the ghost, and I'm trying to tell them who killed me, and they're, like, figuring out which person. You're giving um, them, like, premonitions in a dream. Yeah, and each card is, like, like all these crazy, like, sim- symbolic stuff on it, and I basically have to decide, like, uh, which which card is best for that person to guess who who is, like, the, the person that they need to guess. Um, you move up in rounds and there's, it's timed and it's kind of, it's very, um, you could play like fun music and it's kind of very thematic and it feels a little bit, uh, you have to kind of like hurry and guess it's, it's, or you don't want to get like left out or left behind or whatever. And I think now is it, if everyone doesn't make it, the game ends. It's co-op. Yeah. It doesn't feel co-op throughout because you're trying to like, kind of like step up and you're getting... Like, not more abilities, but you're getting more cards to see at the end to try to figure out who it is. But you want everybody to win because if one person doesn't, then you lose. Now, so there, there's that one, and, I, and I, that's super fun. And I think that's like, uh, maybe not like super young kids could play it because it, it is a little bit harder to guess um, and read the cards and like make the connections. They could play um, maybe on a team with yeah, an adult. yeah. Uh, but then, so another one just popped into my head and, and I hope that Brandon remembers the name of it, but this was an app based game that we played with our friends and you actually ended up not liking it. Um, we had them all over here and we were, um, as you go through, like it, it kind of tells you like if somebody's like been murdered or something like that. Do you remember we played with a few of our friends and now did I just like ruin this all? <laughs> Maybe you'll remember it later. It, but, it, we played it on an app, just an app. No, it, it was like app based, like so, like the app was leading us through it. Um, our friend Nick got really into it. He's the one that like brought it over. But anyway, let's just move on. Uh, Josh, I know Josh. Where, are you not talking about werewolf? No, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you guys? You guys played Zombicide before, yeah. right? Yeah. We used to play it actually um, quite a bit. <laughs> I think the last time I played it ended with a flipped table and so i didn't really play board games with those people anymore you're playing with the wrong people if they're flipping the board during a co-op on a co-op game yeah it's a cooperative game so we won but because uh one person wasn't the one that did the winning action he got very upset i guess uh but basically it's just like a zombie game uh, you're all players trying to do a mission. There's a book that you that comes with the game that has like 20 different missions or something uh, to go through. I really um, like. I really like Zombicide. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it feels. I, I, I feels. I like a spooky. good co-op game every now and then. Uh, 
Yeah. So it you're killing zombies. Like what? What more yeah. do you want from a game that's that's about zombies? You're chucking dice to kill them, and what's really cool is like you. The board is modular, meaning like every mission is going to be a different board because you're they're just pieces that you put together, and they have rooms, so you could bust open the room, but you don't know what's in it like you would yeah. in real life. And then you yeah. reveal cards to see how many zombies there are. And there's what's called miniatures in the game, which are just plastic figures. And these are really cool looking and you could paint them to make them even more like gruesome. But there's a bunch of different zombies. There's like big baddies that come out and you're also making noise in the game. And that's, what's going to draw the zombies to you. Right. And there's a really good AI system in it where you're kind of pulling cards and you're seeing how many zombies are coming in. And then where they're going is dependent on like, it, the noises the, the person and noises and certain things so it, it really feels thematic they're actually releasing i think this year um a night of the living dead version so oh, they're taking romero's that. night of the living dead and making it the zombicide system and yeah uh if you haven't played it i think it's a great game to play around halloween time the really quick the one i was talking about is called mansions of madness and um, I, again, like, I don't think Brandon liked this very much. Uh, it is long and like, you could go through this very long thing and everything, um, is destroyed two hours later, everything that you worked for. So there is that, but there's something to be said about it is it creates this like very creepy, creepy feeling. And it's, I don't know. I kind of loved it to be honest. It's really thematic. It's HP Lovecraft world. Yeah. And so you're fighting like old ones and such, but um, I don't really care for the app. It felt like a computer game that you're also playing on the board, but some people could really like that. So I think I think for like a Halloween like time and just like creating the ambiance and stuff like that, it definitely wouldn't be like a game I played over and over again. But I think it's going to be one of those ones that like if you want a fun, scary experience, I think you'll get it from that. Oh, I should say too about Mysterium. They're actually releasing this year something called Mysterium Park, which is just streamlined and shorter. Oh yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I would also suggest Disney's The Haunted Mansion. I think Josh wanted to talk about Call that of one the Spirits. Too. Oh, that was fun. I enjoyed yeah. that one. Um, it was super, super fun. Like, it's not super difficult. No, you're just like getting cards and trying to get points, but you're in the Haunted Mansion and the hitchhiking ghosts are a part of it. And they're like, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a good game. Yeah. Anything else for board games? I don't think so. I'm, I'm good. So let's talk about Halloween music. We'll end it with Halloween music. Um, I remembered when I was going to Halloween parties, some of the Halloween parties would do such a great job, job with like decorating and everybody's dressed up, except the music would just be either popular music that had been playing all year long or something that this group just listens to. And if they played Halloween music, it was three songs that I remember from my youth all the way up into now. And it's Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah. Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party. And then Monster Mash. And although those are great songs, they're on my Halloween playlist. But I was like, there has to be more than just these three songs. These three songs aren't even necessarily about Halloween. Right. Monster Mash is about monsters <laughs> dancing. Right? I mean, you could argue that Thriller Night is Halloween, but it's not spoken about. You could argue that Dead Man's Party is a, is taking place on Halloween. But it, but 
Anyway, so I was like in my early 20s, I was putting together a party and I was like, I want Halloween music. I want the every song playing at the party to be Halloween music. So I started this journey of finding macabre songs because I was like, they don't have to be Halloween. They just have to sound Spooky. macabre or be about something horror. Or if I hear it, I'm like, oh, I could definitely see this in a horror movie. So nowadays what I do is like throughout the year... If I hear something while I'm out and about, I might Shazam it. Or if I, I'm just constantly listening to music. So if I'm listening to an album and something comes up, I'm constantly adding to this playlist. I currently have, let me scroll through all these songs here. I currently have 184 songs in my Halloween playlist, 11 hours and 33 minutes. I'm not going to list all of them. I'm not going to list yeah, nearly go, all go, of go them. Go ahead and list them all. No. <laughs> I don't, if you're putting together a Halloween playlist for a party, I don't think you need 11 hours. But before I do that, do, do you guys, is there anything that like comes to mind that you're like, this is a song I want to hear around Halloween well, or I, an artist? I always, I always think of Misfits Halloween. <laughs> That's like one of the first ones I think of. I also, um, I like Halloween too. Yeah, the, either it's or. Like, it's like a bit more macabre and it's slowed down. Yeah, either or. Um, I also like there's the, the Fun Boy 3 uh, lunatics have taken over the asylum. Oh, yeah. That just like feels like a good intro song to Halloween for me. Like first day of October, it's fun just to play that and see. like it, Or like when you start seeing Halloween stuff pop up, just drive around and listen to that song. Yeah, three members of the specials if you're familiar with Two-Tone Ska. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously um, there's like Monster Mash and and stuff like that for for me. And then like, uh, I mean, I could kind of go on and on. Like I, the Screaming Jay Hawkins version of "I Put a Spell on You." Mm -hmm. um, wait, go go for it, Josh. Oh, okay, uh, I was just gonna mention um, one album that came out last year. Uh, it's like a horror hip hop album. It's called "There Existed an Addiction to Blood." by clipping um i think i told you about this album last year brandon you uh, did it's not yeah. one that i listened to like a ton but i think it's good enough to to listen to like once or twice a year during the halloween season um i've gotten songs off of that album repetitive i've gotten songs yeah. off that album that i've thrown on my halloween playlist i think it's good to listen to around halloween yeah for the punk rock fans, you probably already know this. Uh, AFI's All Hallows EP. Uh, it actually has a cover of Misfits Halloween, but that's a good one too. A lot of Cramp songs. You know, there's Zombie mm -hmm. Dance by the Cramps. A lot of Ramones songs too. Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery by the Ramones. There's also some good Tom Waits songs that, that feel very fitting for the Halloween season. Murder in the Red Barn is one of them. And clap hands has this really creepy sound to it. Now, red right hand from Nick see, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yep. It's like the scream. The very first scream is like basically the theme song for that movie. I believe it plays at least twice in that movie. Rob Zombie. He's always he's always singing about horror stuff and saying yeah a lot. You know, like uh, Dracula, Living Dead Girl. Um. Some obvious ones may be like uh, Psycho Killer by Talking Heads, Feed My Frankenstein by Alice Cooper, uh, The Who has Boris the Spider that has a kind of a Halloween feel to it. My favorite Halloween song, I would say, has been for a long time, Susie and the Banshees, simply titled Halloween. Um, if you want a 
old 90s rap song, I would suggest My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me by the Ghetto Boys. Ghetto spelled G E T O. <laughs> also, there's that one song from Fresh Prince, Nightmare on My Street. He's yeah, talking about yeah. uh, Freddy Krueger, and he actually got sued because of uh, <laughs> rights for it. Every Day's Halloween by Ministry, um, Shrek Back, Nemesis, Black Number Nine by Typo Negative. Like I said, the list could go on and on and on. I have a ton of these. Um, I, I think that um, an important thing to remember about Halloween music is just to not go like there. There can be so many things that count as Halloween music. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to like talk about halloween just no there's most of these don't yeah yeah uh 45 grave uh sleep and hold on i have to look like rival flavor and flavor for a halloween song yeah and that was actually an original song that was like sounded like the monster mash but they covered it like the original um what i'm saying is sleep and safety by 45 grave almost the entire album is like this gothic horror greatness um lindsey's right just like go and find macabre music and I would even be willing if you email us at bubclubpodcast at gmail.com if you want more Halloween music or anything we've talked about, email us and I'll gladly send you my entire playlist lists if you want. Lists and lists. Yeah. Well, I think we covered Halloween. I think we covered Halloween. That was a longer show without Melanie here. That's true. Wonder what it would have been like if she was here. <laughs> That's uh, all prayer and thoughts to Melanie. Prayers and thoughts. I'm probably not going to pray, but I'll <laughs> yeah. think about it. Because um, you know those help. So if you're, so the last show, if you didn't listen to it, is all about Halloween television. And our next show, we're hoping to do one before Halloween. Our next show would be scheduled on Halloween day. So we don't know if we're going to actually be able to do it. Maybe we could do it the day before. We'll try to work out those kinks. But what we're trying to deliver to you is our top three horror movies that take place on Halloween. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And we're out of here. Bob Club has been a production of Pod Cauldron. You can check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron network, including Cards and Cubes, show about board games you didn't grow up playing, and Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events. Thank you, and we will see you in a couple weeks.